So verse 16, it says, His disciples did not understand these things at first, and when Jesus was glorified, meaning when he was resurrected, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. In a way, we believers are like the disciples. We learn and hear God's voice through the Bible, but there are times when we are unable to understand what God is telling us. In this, we are to just continue to seek Him, and He will lead us to the answer in His time, as He did with the disciples. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Chapter 2. In fact, if turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 2. And this speaks specifically to the repair of the walls and to rebuild the city's walls and gates. To rebuild the city's walls and gates. And remember, Nehemiah was one of the captives from Jerusalem that got led into captivity. And while he was there, he actually served under King Artaxerxes. It tells us, and we're just going to look at the first uh, handful of verses in Nehemiah chapter 2. It says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when when wine was before him. And notice Nehemiah says that I took wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before, and therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid, and I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lie waste? Notice, and the gates are burned with fire. And then the king said to me, Well, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I love this. Even though his prayer is not recorded, it's a very quick prayer because he's got to answer the king who's waiting for him. And I would think that the prayer would probably go something like this. Help, Lord. (laughs) Help, Lord. What do I say? Help me to be succinct. Because I'm standing before Artaxerxes. And then he said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. And then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? And so it pleased the king to send me, and I set a time. And furthermore, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me 
for the governors of the region beyond the Euphrates River, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall. Notice this. And for the house that I will occupy, and the king granted it to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. And then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. And when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officially heard it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. And look at verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there for three days. And then I arose in the night, and I, and I had a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night. I rode through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate. And notice, I viewed the walls of Jerusalem. This is the decree or the command that Artaxerxes had given to Nehemiah. That command to go and to build. He says, the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. And then I went out to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in, uh, in the night by the valley and I viewed what? The wall. And then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And nobody knew what I was doing. (laughs) Now let's go back to our prophecy here in Daniel. The command to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. We know that was this, this decree or this command that Artaxerxes had given to Nehemiah. Now one thing we have to understand about God's prophetic calendar is that he deals with 30-day months and years that are 360 days. That was the Jewish and the Babylonian calendar, and there's plenty of examples for that, which we won't get into now. But they dealt in 30-day, 30-month periods, 360 days in a year. So the Lord was giving to the Jews and us, an equation to solve. Remember, it says that from the going forth of the commandment until Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and then 62 weeks, a total of 69 weeks of years. So we take those 69 weeks of years, times that by seven years, that gives us 483 years. And we multiply that by another 360 days. It gives us a total of 173,880 days. Now, time doesn't permit us to really talk about the division. Why was it seven weeks of years and then 62? We're not going to talk about that right now. There there are some conjectures about what that may be. But nonetheless, it's a total of 69 years. So, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince... When was the first time that Jesus allowed himself to to go into Jerusalem and be heralded as the king? Was there any time in the Gospels that Jesus did that and that the people received it or a a small minority received it? Not until now. Not until now. It was a very specific, very specific day. And they called him the Messiah, the Prince, the Mashiach Nagid. Messiah, the King, would come 
So from that commandment, from that time when Artaxerxes made that command until Jesus rode in on that donkey, we've got some math to do, don't we? And we look at it. So on our calendar, when was on our calendar, when was the decree made? We know that it was March 14th, 445 BC. That was the beginning. And now we go forward 69 weeks of years. 173,880 days, taking into account the leap years and all of that. You fast forward from that command, 69 weeks. What do you come to? April 6, 32 AD. What's the significance of this day? It's the very day that Jesus rode in on this donkey, fulfilling the prophecies of Daniel that were written 500 years, at least 550 years prior. He fulfilled that very succinctly, and very few people knew it. And that's why he said, you didn't know this day of your visitation. You didn't know, you didn't understand what this was all about. And this was the one time that he went into Jerusalem as the king of Israel, the king of all creation. And a handful knew about it, but for the vast majority of Israel, completely blinded to it, completely blinded to it. Let's take a look at just the math. This is one of the, this is really profound. So I hope you got your slide rules out. So if we look at 445 BC to 32 AD, that's 476 years in our calendar, in our Gregorian calendar. So 476 by 365 days, it gives us that number there, the 173,740 days. And then you do the math from March 14th through April 6th, another 24 days. You take into account the leap years, it gives us a total of 173,880 days. See, it doesn't matter whether you're going by God's prophetic calendar or whether our Gregorian calendar that we've been using for, quite a, for hundreds of years, it really doesn't matter how you slice it. The main thing is, is that from that moment when Artaxerxes made the command until Jesus rode in on the donkey was an exact amount of time. Remember, Jesus says, you didn't know this, your day. It was a very specific day. Do you follow me? It was a very specific day. And there was no mistake about it. And when Jesus rode in on that donkey in Jerusalem, oh, it created quite a stir because we know that after that, he cleansed the temple. He overthrew the tables of change they were, they, you know, and the things that they were using to sell animals and, 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 and ripping the people off. The religious leaders were making lots of money by providing animals for people to make it convenient for them to worship when they would come from far lands. They didn't have to bring their own lamb. They didn't have to bring their own animal. They could just go to the temple and the priests would be glad to give you that, but it was going to cost you through the nose. They were making tons of money, and Jesus knew about it. And so what did he do? He overturned the tables, and he says, you, my house is supposed to be called a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves. You've made it a den of thieves. You're all getting rich. Shame on you. My people are here to worship. And all you're thinking about is how to make a quick buck. That's what that was about. And Jesus held them accountable. And he said, as a result of this, because you didn't know, this place is going to be raised to the ground. Not one stone left upon another. You saw me standing on those, those uh, ashlars from Herod's temple. They dragged it all off the temple mount. And there they lay today as a testimony 
of this. And Jesus said that many, many years ago. He said that. In fact, let me read it to you again now that we've looked at it. Jesus said to them, he saw the city as he was going and he wept over it. If you had known, even you, especially notice in this, your day. Jews, this, your day, this moment in history, as I rode in, Jesus said, to Jerusalem on that donkey, this day, this day, if you had even known it, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come when your enemies, the Romans, they will build an embankment around you. They certainly did lay a siege all around Jerusalem until at some point they decided enough's enough. We're just going to destroy it. And they certainly did. And they will... They surround you and close you in on every side, and they will level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. On that Temple Mount, it was all scraped off and put in the southwest valley of the Temple Mount, as we saw earlier. There's a couple of really great books. (laughs) If you're the type who likes to read and you don't mind reading some heady material, There's two really great books I'd recommend to you. One is called The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson. He was a a man who, uh, an investigator in Scotland Yard, a very intelligent man, a a man who would look at details. This is what he did for a living. He solved crimes. And this man took it upon himself to disprove the Bible. And in the process of doing so, he gets wonderfully saved as he begins to pour over the scriptures and put the pieces together, and he goes, oh my goodness, I didn't know because I didn't read. I didn't look into it. But now I know. And he devoted his life to studying the scriptures. He devoted his life, and God gave him one of the most significant revelations in the 20th century, and that is this math that we looked at, this significant prophecy that had been fulfilled. He gave that to him. He went back and he, he looked at the different uh, decrees that were made and he, he said, there's only one of these that lines up with what Daniel says. And then he looked at the, the uh, astrological or the, the, the charts and, and, and the maps and the, um, he, look, he, look, he was a very intelligent guy. He looked into all of the details at his disposal and he came to the conclusion From that moment until Christ rode in, there was a specific amount of time, and God told us, told the Jews back in Daniel, 69 weeks of years, or 173,880 days, to the day Jesus rode on. No mistake, it wasn't some haphazard thing, but he wrote this book, it's called The Coming Prince, it's a wonderful read, not real easy to read, it's not like a novel, it's very heady in some areas. And there's also another book by um, Harold Honer by, called The Chronological Aspects of the Life of Jesus Christ. He comes to, he has a, a few different dates, because when you go back in time, that length of time, there is some, there's room for discrepancy of time. But they all agree on this, that it was that decree until Christ came in on the donkey. They all agree on that, and they all agree that it was that amount of days. 173,880 days. An amazing thing, wouldn't you agree? And this was known just in the 20th century. Just in the 20th century. Let's go on to verse 16. 
because I'm hoping to get down to at least verse 19. So I think, I don't know about you, but as I look at what we just covered, I know we went through it fairly quickly. Maybe some time will take two hours <laughs> or a couple days and, and, and really get, dive into this because there's a lot here. But in a very abbreviated form, that's it. That's it. For any unbeliever, my jaw would hit the ground if I understood the significance of this. And he just put it all together. (laughs) Back in Daniel's time, in the 6th century B.C., God gives him this prophecy. Fast forward about 550 years. It comes literally to pass on the very day. And then, some 35 years after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, the prophecy continues to be fulfilled because the Romans come in 70 A.D. and finish part of this prophecy. And guess what? There's still more of it yet to come. And there's this great interval of time because the 70th week is yet ahead of us. But right now, God is using this church age for us to tell people about Jesus. You and I, if you're a believer in Jesus, we belong to the church. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter what you are, where you've come from. Are you part of the church this morning? So verse 16, it says, His disciples did not understand these things at first, and when Jesus was glorified, meaning when he was resurrected, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. I would encourage you, be encouraged in your learning and in your growing in the Lord and reading his, his word because the disciples were learning all the time and yet notice that here they didn't even understand. Even they didn't understand. Think of that. Even his disciples didn't really understand what this was significant. But did God upbraid them? Did Jesus upbraid them? Did he say, you know, you guys have been with me for three and a half years, and I know you believe in me, but you, you didn't understand what this is all. Sorry, um, I just don't want to be your friend anymore. You're not part of my club, guys. Sorry, I've got to move on. I've got to go somewhere else. Did he say that to them? No, he did not. Why? Because he's a God of grace. He's a God of grace. And so if you're, it doesn't matter what we know up here. I mean, even the, what I shared this morning is a review to some of you, but even if you didn't completely comprehend it, is that going to somehow get in the way of your relationship with Jesus? No, it's not. It's not what you know. It's who you know. That's right. And who knows us? Right, exactly. So the knowledge is nice because it affirms our faith, it helps us, but it's not necessary. Even the disciples didn't know. And let me tell you, those guys were walking with him every day for three and a half years. So they knew, they knew. They didn't understand completely. And, you know, as we look at, uh, even like Luke chapter 18, it says that in verse 31, it speaks of the disciples not understanding certain things. And I fit that, I fit that mold because I, there's a lot I don't understand, but I know enough. I know the most important thing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. If that's not enough for you, well, that's not enough for you, I guess. It's enough for me. But the more I get to know him, the more I read and study his word, the more it fills in the, 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 the cracks in my faith. It fills in all these things that I didn't know. And what does it, what does it do to me? It, it provokes a response from me, doesn't it? It provokes worship in me because the more I learn, the more I understand, the more I'm like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. 
I had no idea, Lord. I know you've saved me. You've changed me in the inside. I know that. I know I'm going to heaven by your grace because of what you've done for me. And I'm born again, and I'm filling in the cracks every single day. I'm filling in things, and I'm just blowing my mind as I read and as you read the Word of God. We're learning and we're growing, and God's going, oh, just keep going, keep going. Never check in your brain at the door. God doesn't require you to come to him with blind faith. No, come with all of your intellect. Come with all your degrees. He'll challenge you. You read his word, and it will challenge you, as it did Sir Robert Anderson, a very educated, very brilliant man. Many of the most brilliant people in the world, when they've really sat down and looked at the evidence, they gave their heart to Christ. And I don't claim to be one of those men. They took Jesus. Jesus took the twelve aside and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit on, and they will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Jesus told them this before it even happened at least three different times, but notice what it says in Luke 18, verse 34, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken, even though the scriptures in the Old Testament prophesied of Jesus coming and dying. I, you know, Psalm 16, verse 10, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, you know, there's a bunch more, Genesis 3:15. All of these scriptures, these all knew, and yet at the time they did not understand any of these things. I find myself in good company with the disciples. <laughs> I do. And maybe you do too, because it's not about what we know, it's who we know. It's who we know. One final thing, in John chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Jesus now speaking to the religious leaders, the Jews, he answered and he said to them, destroy this temple, speaking of the temple of Herod, you destroy this and in three days I will rise it up. And then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years for Herod to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? And, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, notice his disciples then remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scriptures that the word uh, and the word which Jesus has said to them. After the fact, they remembered. <laughs> Do you find yourself remembering after the fact? <laughs> you know, and I mean I, that happens to me often. I feel like sometimes it takes me an hour and a half to watch sixty minutes. A little slow. These guys were slow too. We're in good company. <laughs> they didn't get to heaven because of their scholarly understanding. They got to heaven because of their faith and their relationship with Jesus. It was who they knew, not what they knew. And it is not necessary um, uh, what you know, but it's who you know. And it's even true today in our culture, isn't it? It's not what you know so much. It helps. But more importantly, it's who you know. You get into that job, young man, as your grandfather and your father was working at a, 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 a successful company and they were some of the best workers. And then the, the foreman comes to you one day and says, hey, you're so-and-so's boy. And you're just out of high school. Why don't you come work? I know your family. It's who he knew. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.